this is Janet Hammer. If you don't know her, uh, I can tell you that she's known as one of San Diego's hardest working and busiest singers. This woman gigs. Um, she's led a lot of her own bands and vocal groups, traveled extensively with them. Um, some to note are the Mardells, the um, Iris big band jazz machine, right? And the exceptional tribute to ABBA band and your trio, which is the Sweethearts of Swing. It is a trio, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're also the music director at the Unity Center in San Diego, where you lead the uh, Soul Notes band, as well as a 75 voice choir at prior to COVID. Well, I had. Yes. <laughs> that was a while ago. That was a while ago. <laughs> um, but I think something that is really important to point out about um, Janet is that she is what we would call a musician's singer. She's a very gifted, well-educated musician, um, equally adept at singing jazz, big band, contemporary pop rock, um, you name it. She does it all, classical music, Renaissance and Sanskrit even. Um, she's an excellent sight reader, which is a really great, great skill to have as a professional musician at, um, singer you know, that carries you rather far. Um, you hold a bachelor's of music degree from SDSU. Mm -hmm. So you do quite a lot. How have you been? What are you up to right now? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I've been okay. You know, as everybody is experiencing, of course, all our gigs are, most all our gigs are gone. Um, I had a lot of gigs booked and, you know, the, the sad sob story, so, the sad sob story yeah. about losing all these gigs, you know, it's sad, but you know, there's, there's blessings in every challenge and, you know, trying to find creative ways to do what we do in isolation is can be challenging, <laughs> yeah. but I've, uh, I've, I've learned a little bit about my recording equipment and, um, I've been learning logic particularly. That's my, my recording, um, program that I've been doing a little bit of work on and kind of enjoying, um, uh, doing some YouTube tutorials and finding out you can pretty much learn anything on anything. YouTube. Anything. It's incredible. <laughs> It's incredible. I'm like, how do I do this? Yeah. Oh, just look it up. So, um, so that's, you know, that's kind of fun. And I've um, connected with some musicians that I haven't connected with in a long time um, from across the world. I have a friend in Sweden that he and I are going to be uh, doing a project, a recording project together. Um, I have a friend in Yuma, Arizona. We've already done one song together. Um, so that's been really fun. We're starting on our next one. And I've done some recording with, um, with the, uh, the big band jazz machine, Iris big band jazz machine. We were working on our uh, third CD that was supposed to be released in June. And we just had what, three songs left. We recorded right before the um, shutdown. Okay. But I didn't get my vocal recorded and the soloists didn't get their parts recorded. And of course, 
the mixing process and the mastering process and, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't get done. So, um, so I have since recorded my part for, for the one song on that CD and the solos from all over, wherever they are, they've all recorded and the Ira and the engineer have been mixing, um, and so it's it's getting there, but the mastering process is going to be done at Capitol Records. So we're waiting oh for that. Yeah, How yeah. So yeah, it's very exciting. The last the last CD we did was mixed there as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know when yeah. when it'll be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you end up doing your vocal parts at home, or did you go into a studio? I did. I did yeah. my vocal part at home. Yeah. And was that something you had been doing a lot of prior to this doing recording at home or are you mostly no studio singer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I go in the studios in somebody else's studio. So, I mean, I've had the, the equipment at home for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just, you know, I learned how to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you're like, uh, me and a lot of singers that I've talked to. Um, but there seems to be this common thread where we say it's, it's always something I thought about doing. And it's something I always wanted to set up, but just kind of didn't, hadn't taken the time yet to do it. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's when it's not something that you know, like the back of your hand, it can be one of those, um, I'll figure it out at some point And Exactly. Seems like a, like a fun thing to do if you got the time, but when we're working musicians, you know, we're either out there working or we're working on getting gigs. So, you know, so the actual like sitting at home and trying to figure out recording equipment, you know, doesn't really happen unless everything shuts down and then you can't go anywhere. That's right. And I, I find that the things that I thought were, um, you know, going to be difficult really aren't, you know, like you said, thank God for YouTube and everything these days. And, um, I know you've got, uh, quite a contact list to draw on for, of, uh, you know, studio engineers and other friends, um, to help, but, you know, it's exciting though, to know that that is, you know, a capability for us. And even if it's not something that, um, you know, we've been, has been our bread and butter, at least from home. It's, um, it brings a lot of hope to me to know that it is a possibility and probably um, more accessible and easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. 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 So um, one thing I was thinking about um, as our interview was coming up is that you are somebody that I know as I mentioned from the beginning, are a really busy singer. You have a ton of gigs. And I remember around the holiday times I saw you and you had said you had something like 60 gigs on the books at something at, at some point, which is really, really incredible. (laughs) And, um, then I also saw, you know, that you had a carolers group um, a while ago that you actually, you established it in 1989 and, um, you got to the point where one season you had 436 gigs within a five week span. Yeah. (laughs) And I just want to talk about that for a little while, because I think it's so important for singers and musicians to 
really hone in the skill of the art of booking, selling, marketing your product. Um, can you talk a little bit about the Caroling Group and kind of what were the keys to that? Sure. Um, so I started that group with one quartet, me and three other singers, and we actually were working for an agent and it was their company. So the following year, we were going to get hired back and that company decided to disband. And so I bought their caroling part of their company and uh, ended up just growing the booking to, like I said, you know, um, you know a lot of singers. I was, I was, uh, I think at the most I had 80 singers in my group. I mean, all booked in quartet, you know, so that was a lot of people to move around like the big giant Rubik's cube of all these four singers going here and going there and all different, you know, combinations of singers. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I love hiring singers. I love hiring musicians. I love writing checks to everybody and yes. you know being that person yes. who could just yeah. like employ a lot of people <laughs> and you know it's always been a really thrill to me but I love the music you know of course I wouldn't wouldn't have done it if I didn't love the music so mm-hmm. you know it's all about just making it the absolute best I could make it just the best music the best singers the best costumes um the best attitudes, just all of it, you know, and I ran that company for 24 years. And, um, you know, at the, that last year, 2013 is when I sold it. It was just, it was, it just got to be so much. (laughs) And instead of, you know, I could have actually hired a a bigger team around me to just run it, but I really just kind of wanted to simplify my life at that point. And I thought, okay, i it's time to just, I'm a singer. I want to just sing. (laughs) So, so that's what I did. But as far as booking and, and it, and the business, because I I still book a lot. I book my, my trio now, the Mm -hmm. sweethearts of swing. And we have all these other little groups that we do the beach girls and the classic sass and all, Mm -hmm. you know, little trios, all different costumes and different styles of music, but, um, and it's all fun, you know, fun stuff. And, I just find that the business aspect, if the key thing is to just have the highest integrity, the highest integrity. If you are known as a person of the highest integrity, and I, I, I try to live up to that all the time with mm-hmm. my clients, with other musicians, and absolutely with other singers. And that's not, you don't always see that, No, you, <laughs> you know, don't. you just don't always see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I tr- always try my best to do that. And, and that I think is the key that, and just ha- being easygoing and not, not being stressful to work with and being grateful, you know, like the attitude of just having gratefulness you know, having a heart of gratefulness, mm-hmm. people appreciate that. Yeah. Even if you don't say it to them, if they see it in the way you, that you hold yourself and the way you deal with people and, you know, w- with respect and with, um, you know, honor. And like, like I said, gratitude, just happy to be there, happy yeah. to be doing what they, what you do. It's like, I remember saying to um, an agent one time, 
you know, um, I just, I hope you can get the best price for us and that you can make a ton of money off of us. Cause if you do, and, and that your client's happy, you're happy. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, there's, there's no losing and everybody wins. And that's really the key. It's like, when you know that you're doing the best job that you can, you're making, you're doing the best job you can for your singers and your instrumentalists, mm-hmm. and you're doing the best job for your own self that, you know, you can go to bed at night and know you, you've done a great job and done everything you could to do it right. Mm-hmm. You're going to get back booked back. Mm-hmm. You're, the word's going to spread. You're going to get referrals and people are going to know you as being somebody that, you know, worth working with. Yeah. So nothing makes, nothing makes doing this feel more gratifying than running your business like that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. When you feel like, um, you've got to avoid certain people or because you've done something shady or whatever, that's no way to, you know, run a career or a life. No. And, um, I agree. No. I love that you made that point though, about how integrity is really the key and how that has, um, paid off for you. And I, wholeheartedly agree with that because when you're running, um, a band or, you know, whatever kind of an ensemble or just as an individual, um, soloist, you're going to be faced with these opportunities, um, or these challenges are going to come up where you're booked or committed somewhere. And then a more profitable opportunity will come along and you're faced with the question, you know, am I gonna back out of this other thing and, you know, potentially hurt that client just to, you know, make the extra money. Um, there are, there's a lot of different scenarios that come up like that. Um, there's also difficult scenarios, like when you're working for agents, um, you know, when, when, a when work comes to you through an agent, it comes to you through an agent and sometimes, you know, a client will go around an agent Mm -hmm. and the only ethical thing to do is to turn them back to the agent, to refer them back to the agent. Right. No, for sure. That doesn't always happen. But, um, our experience with the mighty untouchables as a band is running your business with the highest level of integrity and making those decisions, um, you know, based on doing the right thing has paid us off exponentially, mm-hmm. you know, and um, not to rattle on about this too long, but something that's, you know, been really important is when, um, you know, COVID-19 hit, obviously, <laughs> that was an immediate problem for bookings and everything. And you've got contracts and deposits paid on stuff. And um, as a business, um, we made the, the choice that we were going to refund all the deposits because we felt this was a situation that was completely out of the hands of, you know, our clients and, and everything and how devastating that could be to our clients to have to not only lose out on, you know, an event of a lifetime, but also, you know, lose the money and everything. Um, but we, we just, we know at our core that it's the right thing to do. And, um, it's, it's going to come back to us, Mm -hmm. you know, I really think Mm -hmm. it will. And they're hard choices to make. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, um, when you were running that business, um, 
getting that amount of gigs, did you find that a lot of that work was coming to you or were you having to do a lot of going out and mining for that kind of work? <laughs> Both. AKA Both. hustling. <laughs> yeah. A lot of hustling, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, that's kind of a huge part about being a musician is you're always kind of hustling, you know, and not hustling, but you're always mining. You're always beating, beating the pavement because, you know, the, um, you might be working with, with a client for a long period of time and then that client leaves and a new, you know, uh, that whatever the, the director of music for, or the activity director or whatever, you know, leaves and somebody new comes in, right? And then you have to, all of a sudden you're dealing with somebody new who doesn't know you mm-hmm. and the other person didn't leave your information. So it's like starting all over, even though you've been working there for years. And all yeah. of a sudden you're starting all over with a new person. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, new management, you know, or whatever. So it's always, you know, it's always about making new contacts, making new relationships with people and, mm-hmm. you know, not, not making it seem like, well, I deserve to be here because I've been here for years and you're new, you know, <laughs> but it's not that it's like, you're in a new position now. I have to introduce myself to you as a new person. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's constant. It's yeah. constant. And, you know, the thing with the Caroline company, with having that many people and having that much momentum going for such a large group is I, I was never guaranteed work in the beginning. And so, you know, like at the beginning of each season. Mm-hmm. So the season would start, I'd hire all these singers and get them all going and rehearsing them and, you know, with the hopes that all oh, I'm going to get all this work, you know, so yeah. it's always this like, oh my gosh, I got too yeah. many singers. Oh my gosh, I have too many gigs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have too many singers, you know, so yeah, very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, to mention, but- that's a, that's a ton of um, organization, keeping that many people's schedules yeah. aligned and organized and yes. making sure people show up to their gigs. Yes. And right, you know, <laughs> December during flu season, I had a wonderful manager, manager who worked for me, assistant managers, um, Sky, Skylar Denon mm-hmm. worked for me for a number of years and he was a lifesaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Where do you think your business acumen came from? I mean, obviously you spent a ton of time in school as a, to train as a musician, but where do you mm-hmm. think those skills came from? Well, um, way back. It comes, it comes from way back. I have, I came from basically my growing up was from a family of entrepreneurs. We always owned our own business all the time I was growing up. And through my high school years, I was put to work in our flower shop in Fallbrook, oh. you know, and, and worked a lot hard, very hard. And when I got to college, um, I put myself through college working side jobs and night jobs. And while I was also getting started, you know, singing in the clubs and stuff, um, I, I sold flowers in restaurants at night, uh, five nights a week while I was in college. Yeah. I had a big basket of flowers and I, it was the greatest gig because I was super shy super shy, super shy. So (laughs) it was the perfect job for me to like, as a, you know, budding um, singer in the professional world to like 
be able to get myself more out of my head and into the, you know, the public eye of being a singer. And so selling those flowers, you know, I'd have to walk up to people and offer them and interrupt and talk to them. And it was really good experience for me. So that was good. And then from there on, you know, I, I always, I mean, I always just wanted to be a singer. That's really what I ever wanted to do from day one, age five. I mean, I was putting on shows in, in my garage when I was five years old with the, my little twin friends that were my backup singers, you know, <laughs> we'd, awesome. we'd sell tickets to the people in the neighborhood. I mean, I was an entrepreneur way back then, you know, age five. But, yeah. um, but when I got out of college, I had gotten my teaching credential also in, for secondary music, secondary education music. And I actually didn't really want to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up buying my father's business and which was perfect because I wanted to have a business of my own that I could, that would be flexible enough so that whatever gig, you know, or rehearsal or anything music related, I could stop my business and go do that. I always wanted to have the flexibility to be able to do that. So I thought the only way I'm going to be able to do be that flexible is to own my own business. Mm -hmm. So I had a wholesale um, ceramics and basket and plush toy business mm. that I s- had this huge truck and it was wholesale. So I drive around to all these, um, uh, you know, the flower shops and gift shops and I'd sell these things wholesale. And then if I had a gig on a day or a rehearsal on a day, I just wouldn't go drive my truck that day, <laughs> you know? So it worked out great. And then I s- also started flipping houses So I, yeah, so I did, I got the renovating bug and I started flipping houses kind of, you know, starting off, like you hear the stories of no money of your own and you do these hard money loans and all that. And I ended up doing that alongside of my music career, starting my Caroline company and doing my plush toy business. And I ended up doing 65 houses. In the course, I flipped 65 houses in the course of, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. All the while you're gigging as well. Right, right. While I was building (laughs) my, my career. So, so I guess I've kind of always been really driven. I've always been really driven. Yeah. Sounds like it. (laughs) But I really, I really enjoy the creating process Mm -hmm. of it. And I think that's why I've always, you know, done my own thing. Yeah. live outside the box, you know, yeah. <laughs> my daughter said to me, uh, to my husband and I in the car the other day, she's seven. <laughs> she was asking if people have to go to college when they get older. And, you know, our <laughs> response to that is it really depends on what you want to do. You know, once you decide what you want to do, then that's, that's when you make that decision. But, um, college is generally never a bad idea, (laughs) but she said, um, what, well, whatever I do, um, I want to work for myself. And we were like, yes, yeah, yes. Smart girl. I mean, it's hard. It's hard work though. It's hard because you're, you have to be your own boss. You have to be your own, you know, cheerleader. You have to work double time. You have to do all the things that you have to do to work for yourself. It's not easy, but yeah, I, I mean, I loved my college years. I loved the academia. I loved 
being a part of the all. I took every music class I possibly could. I played all the instruments in college. I wanted to experience it all. So mm-hmm. I played French horn in the in the concert band and just, you know, just for fun. And mm-hmm. um, so even though, and, and I got my teaching credential, like I said, but I never actually ended up teaching secondary education. I taught early school. I taught um, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade choir. I taught a Braille in, at the Braille Institute wow. choir. And then I went directly from that level to um, teaching at Palomar College. So I taught at the, at the college level for, um, I don't know, 10 years, I guess, 10, 12 years. I don't know. It all blurs together, but, um, but I, you know, I love the college, you know, but when, when I think about my actual income, like the most income that's really made me survive in the world, I probably made more money at the real estate, you know, and that, and that was actually what really like supported. I always said that always supported my music habit. Because there's a lot of musicians that are just, it's hard mm-hmm. to make a living at music, you know, yeah. on, on a local level. It's just challenging. And I, you know, God bless everybody who does because they're, yeah. I know how hard they work. You know, I know how hard they work. They do. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough, especially when you're um, first starting out. And I, um, believe me, I, I commend artists coming right out of the gate that are, um, so committed and laser focused that they will not consider doing anything other than focusing on their craft. Um, I don't see, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think, I think that's great. And it definitely works out in a lot of, um, people's favor. Uh, but aside from that, most of us, you know, end up having to have either some kind of a pre music career or, you know, something that we've done on the side. Um, I had a full corporate career before I went full time with music, but I've always done my music. And I said the same thing. This is what supports my ability to do this in the first place. And, um, and then I think the other benefit to that is once you do get into it full time or you're starting to run your own ensembles or bands or like that, you start to realize all of those skills that you picked up from your prior occupations and how, you know, extremely useful they are. And, you know, whether that's just business skills or just people skills, you know, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I have a great story about that kind of a a synchronicity story. Mm -hmm. And this has to do with, um, so when I sold my plush toy ceramics business, the big truck, you know, when I just finally decided to sell that company, I, um, I had been think literally thinking about it for like four years before I actually like got the, got the courage to sell it because I kept saying to myself, I just want to be a singer. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I can do it. I think I can just be a singer and mm-hmm. make a, make a full living at singing. And so I think I can cut the apron strings of this other business and let it go. It's taking too much of my time, but oh my gosh, it took me forever because my security issues, you know, Yeah. (laughs) which is probably why I'm such, so driven. But anyway, um, 
the day I finally said, okay, I'm really going to do this. I'm going to follow my dream and do music full time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean the real estate also, but to put my, all my energy into the music, you know, and the night that I made up, I made up a flyer that said, you know, Janet's getting out of this business. I had a picture of me singing in the bottom corner and it, and it was a flyer selling the company and I was giving it out to all of my customers. And that was the plan. I was going to give it to all my customers. Well, that night, so I had them all sitting on my countertop. Well, also during this same amount of time, I was having some work done on my house and my contractor who was, who also did a bunch of my he was my contractor for my rent renovations. He was doing some work on my own house. And so he came in the, in the morning that morning and he saw these flyers on my counter and he said, my wife has always wanted to buy your company. I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to buy my company? I didn't even have to advertise. I never sent out a single. And within two weeks, the, all my inventory was gone. Everything was like, I didn't even have time to change my mind. <laughs> Oh <laughs> and I'm like, God. okay, the universe just opened it up. And now I'm stepping into my dream fully. Yeah. And, and, and there was absolutely no spare moment after that. I was just working nonstop. I mean, mm-hmm. as a singer, you know, just, and I just always think, you know, when you have a dream and you have a vision and you make the space for it, sometimes it doesn't come to you and you unless you clear out something first you have to step out in faith you know yeah. step out in into that dream and and make the space for it which always means giving up something yeah. which kind of brings me to you know it's like this pandemic right now it's like at first you know at first it seemed oh my God, what are we going to do? Everything's gone. My gigs, I was going to be in Greece sailing on a sailing ship. I had this amazing gig booked for June. And, you know, my big band got, Iris big band got invited to go perform at the Taipei Jazz Festival in October. That's not going to happen. And all these gigs, and you know, and I thought, okay, we don't have a choice. We're going to have to sit still. And just wait to see what happens and open up space for the next thing. And it's like when that next thing, you know, like I said, learning, learning the recording project, connecting with friends I hadn't connected with in a long time, you know, Mm -hmm. doing all these other things that, and we have yet to see what comes next, you know? So it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. And that's a beautiful um, way of expressing how this happened. I love that opening space for something to happen. And, um, you know, I would just say to our community out there to consider that, consider, you know, opening your heart in that way and, um, you know, giving it some thought. Uh, Cause this is, it is such a difficult time. It is, it's devastatingly disappointing on so, so many levels. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you can find it within yourself to come to a point of um, acceptance, it really does kind of open the, it opens the canvas for something else to be created. And um, while I absolutely cannot wait to be back performing live and be with my band who I miss 
horribly. Yeah. Um, I know. Me too. <laughs> Missed yeah, my bands. It's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm excited about the, you know, projects that I have going on. And it kind of, it makes me feel um, new at something, you know, <laughs> when you get so used to, you know, doing, you, you get in the flow of life, right. And you just, yeah. you don't think that that's going to slow down it. Yeah, it's, it is really interesting, because I realized that, I mean, my, I am kind of, I'm really driven. And I, I don't really know what sparks me to be as driven as I am. But I love the creative process of it all. And for some reason, I just, I like more and more and more of, of doing what I love to do. So it's kind of became sort of like a competition with myself, you know, mm -hmm. How many gigs can I fit in in a, in a year? Like last year, I did 348 gigs. Oh, my God. Just last year alone. I mean, it's just <laughs> like crazy. And I absolutely know that I would never, I would never have slowed down on my right. own. Yeah. And, you know, my, bless my mom's heart. She's 96 now. And she's been telling me all my life, girl, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. Take time for yourself. Slow. I'm like, well, I'm like, mom, I love doing what I do. It's, you know, I'm doing what I love to do. And mm -hmm. she, but, you know, I know I never would have gotten off that treadmill if I didn't have to. And now I'm just like going, okay, I wonder how, how it's going to be when we all come back, you know, yeah. like what is, what is it going to be like? <laughs> I can't even, I can't even imagine, you know, yeah. I think, um, I'm sure it'll be great, but it, it'll definitely, we're all going to be changed people, you know, when For we go sure. back, but, um, I truly relate to what you're saying. And I, if, if you're like me at all, when this did hit, you immediately went to, all right, well, what am I going to do now? You know, and yeah. like start yeah. creating something else and thinking up, yeah. um, you know, I, I just absolutely have to do that to be comfortable in my own skin. Um, but this came up in a, one of my other recent conversations is it just seems like such a strange time because you know, the, the pandemic hits and that obviously is, we can't control it. It like totally wipes out our schedules and incomes and everything. Um, and it's, it feels as though there have been so many subsequent issues, not like a pandemic, but other things that have come up where, when I feel like I'm starting to get busy and maybe get some traction on something, the universe is like, um, no. I yeah, said, exactly. Slow down. <laughs> and, right. And then I tried to slow down and I, and I'm really trying to listen to that now, you know, and mm -hmm. I do find that, um, I'm getting more comfortable with it. Yeah. I'm more comfortable with it. Just yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, I know. Huh. It's, it's interesting too, for, for me, when, when this all shut down, um, I also had, had a, a double whammy because my precious kitty that I've had for 15 years got sick, like no. right, right during that time. And I, you know, I spent like the whole month of March and April, just like every day, just going, Oh my gosh, are you going to be make it? Are you, you know, bringing her to the vet and this and that I had ended up having to put her down. So it's been really, you know, so like there's that, that where I like, Oh my gosh, like this, 
this is so intense to be here at my house dealing with my poor sick cat, you know, <laughs> like there's just like no comfort anywhere. Like the outside of the, my home is not, you know, there's no comfort out there because it's all shut down and inside my home. It's just like, this is so sad, you know? And so it was like, wow, I really, you know, I spent a lot of time crying, <laughs> you know, my, my friend Nina Deering passed yes, away and yes, yes. she and I and Leonard and Matt had a, had a, quartet together a number of years ago and she was my student at Palomar College and you know that was like wow you know these just it's like just really a time to just stop and and realize all the the depths of emotion you know it's not like not all about fear there's so much sadness and so much you know, empathy that you can have for other people when you feel those depths of yeah. emotion, you know, and I, I really honestly think that, you know, this is a time right now for the entire planet. I mean, it's changing in so many ways, but we have all are dealing with emotions that we've been too busy to even think about, you know, and maybe new and certainly new, new emotions coming up to certainly fear. You know, that's so a big true. one, but all these new, new emotions coming up and everything's so heightened, you know, that it's absolutely a time for us as a, you know, as a race, as, as a species, mm -hmm. the humanity that we just really need to um, put all that emotion into the empathy that we have for one another, because we're all going through it. At, at to some extent or another, you know, mm -hmm. and, and our experiences are so incredibly different, you know, everybody's having such different experiences yeah. and yet we're all in this together. You know, it's, isn't that the thing? It's really That's a thing. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy about yeah. it. It's, and I, <clears throat> I feel like the longer this goes on, I almost feel as though that's what this is all for is that it is to, push us to a place as a human race yes where we we need to be living in a much more sustainable way i mean not just here in the united states but um globally and yes um, and i know you know mentioning um nina's passing that was a huge blow to the you know san diego music community and there yeah. i mean not that um nothing is it's not as though anything's worse than that but there it does really feel like there's like this accumulation of things happening um that are really really difficult and challenging um and and we also have um the black lives matter movement happening mm -hmm. now as well which is um you know that's just something that needs it needs the time it needs the platform it needs the attention um but it is it feels that it's, it's this culmination of things that are you know beginning to um really press us into that place which it's an incredibly uncomfortable but probably incredibly necessary mm -hmm. yeah. i think so it kind of ties into that idea of like we have to put put things aside in order to make the space. And it's yeah. like, we're doing that. It's like the universe sort of 
not sort of, but really mm. <laughs> is doing that for us. Like yeah. slam, everybody just take a break. It's time to move into our next thing, whatever it is. It's like, we're, it's like we're in the, um, the, you know, the birthing canal. We're just being squeezed, yeah. squeezed to heck, you know, yeah. but at the other end, we're going to come out a, in a, a new life. You know, a new life is going to emerge from, this incredible squeezing we're having right now. Yeah. That's really graphic, wasn't it? <laughs> well, you know what, though? I, I, that's a really great uh, analogy because it, it does feel like that because um, honestly, we're not in a place where we're, you know, in a, some of us are in solidarity and coming together, but largely we are we're hating on one another right now yeah. and it's, it's hard to get along with people. You are either yeah. of one thought process or you are the other, but we can't sustain that way. It, it's mm -mm. not going to work. And at some point there will be um, a reckoning, you know, and mm -hmm. we're going to have to figure out how, um, how to operate and, and, live harmoniously as a, mm -hmm. as a human race. I, you know, I know, I don't expect that there's ever going to be this like utopian world that we live in, but, um, but we can't sustain things this way. And, um, mm -hmm. so I think it, it might get worse before it gets better, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've always thought, and I've always taught this, you know, to my students that, you know, music is, is probably the most the, the most amazing thing, because it brings people together at equal levels with, of age, no matter what age you are, no matter what race, no matter female, male, no matter what sexual orientation, no matter rich or poor, you play music together, you sing in a choir together, you do a band together. It doesn't even, none of that matters at all. Not, not one ounce of that matters. The only thing that matters at that moment and, and also time and space, time and space is totally stops with music. It's all in the present. Mm -hmm. It's the present time. You only have time to mm -hmm. think about the moment and doing it together, blending, you know, at playing in harmony with each other, giving each other space to do their, you know, solo here and solo there. And, you know, if it's a choir dip, giving, singing into each other, of course we can't do this now, which is very sad, but you know, the idea of like singing together is like, you know, that whole, it's really important for our, for us to continue the torch with music and know that we're, when we come out on the other side, we're going to, be singing big, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and playing, playing music together. And, you know, and it is one of the things that that's getting a lot of people through this time is tuning into what are, what people are doing and making music public on YouTube and Facebook and, you know, all these platforms and, mm -hmm. you know, it's super important, super, super important. So important. And yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're right. I mean, don't feel as though you're, um, we have to remember not to, to not feel like everything has been, um, cut away from us because 
the love and the hunger for music has not gone anywhere. People, those people who were consuming our music and enjoying it before, they're still there and they love mm. the music just as much. We just need to find the new channels to deliver mm -hmm. it, at least for, you know, at least for now. And, um, and those things will, you know, arise. They really will. And I just, I hope for our community too. I know that, uh, gosh, you know, we're heading into the back half of July here. And that means that a lot of um, unemployment's about to start running out. And, um, you know, there's really no guarantees of, you know, additional support coming in and everybody's doing their best that they can to um, make ends meet. But I have no doubt that, you know, there's going to be some um, people in our community that, you know, suffer. And I hate that that's, you know, the case, but I just hope we'll all remember that. Look at everything we've been through <laughs> at yeah. this point, look at everything. And then, I mean, even look at the history of your life and, and yeah. just remember that you're still here, you're still mm -hmm. here and it may be painful, but you will make it onto mm -hmm. the other side. And I think, uh, I hope our community will keep coming together and just kind of linking arms and helping mm -hmm. one another, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, not to like change the subject crazily here, but I did want to ask you, I wanted to talk harmony with you before, <laughs> before I let you go. Oh yeah. Because like I said, you're, you're an exceptional musician and, Thank you. um, knowing that you have the type of singing ensembles that you do, these are like crazy monstrous harmonies. And, um, that takes a lot of skill. And, um, where did that come from for you? How did, how have you studied that throughout the year and how have you, um, just worked on the craft of that? I love harmony singing. I really do. It's been something that's been in me from day one. My mom was a singer okay. and she, um, she had rehearsals at our house. And so all my growing up years, I, and, and it was sweet Adeline's, which is barbershop for women, you know, but she was also a jazz singer. So like I learned, I learned a ton of music from her. We would sit around the piano and sing together and my sisters harmonized and um, the ladies, you know, of her group would sing and, and I would learn my mom's part and sing with them, you know, the, the harmonies. And then, um, my music director at high school, Bud Roberts, who turned a hundred this year, oh still gosh. up until the pandemic was still playing three nights a week, playing piano, a five hour oh. gig, three nights a week That's for crazy. like the last 30 years. I know it's incredible. So, and he was amazing. He, he taught me private, um, private lessons on jazz harmony. Mm -hmm. And I, I arranged for my uh, group at, at um, high school and rehearsed them. And so I love jazz, vocal jazz harmony. I've always had groups. And then I, I loved Renaissance music too. I just loved it. I did Renaissance music for 25 years with fabulous group in town. Pacific Camerata and um, just, you know, honing the harmonies of, of that, you know, eight, 10 part harmonies. It's amazing. So I really think, you know, that the, the blend of voices 
it's magical. There's something really magical about that. And, you know, so when I sold my Caroline company, I really, you know, I, I continued on with my ladies doing, doing the, um, Sweethearts of Swing, which is Andrew's sisters, you know, all yeah. free part harmony and all of that. And, you know, I love singing with the, with Shana Pugh in the Mardells and just, you know, with you at, at the yeah. church, you've been to my church a few times and uh-huh. it's been so fun, but yeah. yeah. So I've, I've studied a lot of, a lot of vocal harmony and or jazz harmonies. And, yeah. yeah. It's tough right now because since we're not singing collectively right now, that's, yeah. but you know, this is, it is a good opportunity, um, to work on ear training because whether or not you're going to oh, yeah. be a, you know, ensemble singer or not, you, if, if you're going to be a soloist, you, you do have to have good ears and, um, yeah, what, for are, sure. what are your best, um, tips on ear training? What are some go-to methods or exercises that you like? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, so I have a number of students that, um, private students that are still working with me on, on zoom. It's a little challenging because of the yeah. latency issues, yeah. but you know, but we're, we're working it out. And, um, I, you know, I have your training exercises that are great for just, you know, intervals, like adding a, adding a, you know, half step each time. And in your mind, you think, you know, what is the, the, um, the interval, Minor second, minor second, major second, major second, minor third, you know, that kind of thing where all the way up and doing those kind of things where you're just tuning your ears, you know, constantly tuning without having a group to be able to tune chords with. It's pretty difficult, but, you know, I have a whole series of things that I do when I'm teaching choirs and, you know, things like that for tuning chords and moving harmony parts, moving, like having a, choir sing sing say a a major triad and then having the altos lower their note to make it a minor and then having the um you know soprano move their fifth up to a minor six to make it a new chord you know and that kind of thing and then blending and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i love it i know for so many of us it's tough because when you think about teaching someone else harmony you think god i feel like i just I just know it. I'm not sure how I (laughs) learned it. Yeah. Yeah.